Amen. That's a pretty good morning so far, right? I try not to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, the Lord's good. Amen. Yeah, I just need a moment here to kind of, I just took my grandkids back there to Children's Church. Have you ever walked back there with them? If you haven't, you should just walk back there. I mean, that's the thundering herd back there. It's really the best of the church. It's not against you, but, you know. It's also great having a, a police officer that's a member of our church, Arthur Purse. He was back there in his police car uh, working today, but I didn't know. Like, was there, we got some trouble back here? The police are here? But he says he always comes when he works. He comes by here and drives through. Watching. Isn't that wonderful? Bless Arthur and all the uh, police officers in our town. And we love the people that are trying to help us. Be more safe and secure, and you know, uh, maybe when you're speeding and you get caught, you're not so in love. But mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I have been caught a few times speeding. How about you? I bet you have too. Yes. One time I got pulled by a state patrolman, and uh, he pulled me over and said, well, "What do you do for a living?" I said, "Well, you don't really want to know." <laughs> he said, "Yes, I do." I said, well, "I'm a pastor." He said. Well, pastors mess up too, right? Yeah, I didn't ask him to not to give me the ticket, but he gave me the ticket. <laughs> so, anyways, no excuse for speeding, right? I gave him an excuse. Like, that hill was really long, and there was no cars here. I wasn't really paying attention. And it was out in the middle of nowhere in Montgomery County. And so be careful in Montgomery County. Yeah. Yeah, never speed in Morrisville. I'm going to tell you that now. Those guys are no mercy. Yeah, Davidson's worse. That 25 mile an hour, I'm going to hear you. I'm giving y'all some great uh, revelation today. Don't speed in Mooresville, especially Davidson, the 25 mile an hour thing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, probably a lot of you guys get out on the interstate and kind of, kind of think in your mind, how much over the speed limit can I go and not get in trouble? I know you do that. Yeah, I really do. You know, you kind of push it, and you, you always say the first rule of law is, on, on the roads is going with the flow of traffic, right? And everybody's going 90, so you're just going to go with them. Y'all don't do that. Y'all are so righteous, man. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to read this verse. Let's be more spiritual, okay? <laughs> it's all spiritual. Yeah, I mean, we don't believe in uh, the sacred and spiritual. Secular, right? That's, that's a bad doctrine. It's all the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's what the Bible says, so we're sticking with that. So I'm going to read, I'm going to be talking to you out of the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, this is a, a really stretch book for a lot of people. Um, but I'll just go ahead and tell you up front, I am not going to be talking about interpretations of end-time events, okay? And the reason I'm not, because I have no clue. <laughs> I have no revelation on, on that, but I do have revelation on, on some of it. And so I think it's a very important book because of verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And like I shared with you last week, that's what this book is really about. And, and I'm, if you remember, there's 90 descriptions of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, 90. Now, some of them are repeated, but 90 times it talks about the revelation of Jesus. Uh, and it reveals the glory of Jesus more than any other book in the Bible. It literally does. And so th- that's why it's a very important book for us for no other reason. Forget the end times mystery stuff for a moment. Uh, just that reason alone is why this book is vital and necessary and it is the last book of the Bible, obviously, and so that's also significant. Um, practically, it reveals the heart of the Lord uh, towards the church, okay? There's a lot in there about the church and humanity in general. It really reveals his heart towards, towards us. Also reveals his future plans uh, for his kingdom to come upon the earth. There's going to be a kingdom invasion of the earth, at some point in time, God is going to invade the earth. God himself, Christ himself is going to invade this earth. And so that makes it a very uh, powerful book. It's a beautiful book, but it's also the scariest book in the Bible 
bar none. It is, there is crazy stuff in this book. There's plagues, there's earthquakes, uh, there's creatures that show up, there's economic calamity, there's famines, there's wars. It, it just is all in there. Okay, and you know, there's no denying of those things. And so, um, but it also tells us in some very clear language in that book how to overcome in distressful situations. It absolutely it gives us clearness. I mean, you know, when you read, uh, when Jesus talked about to, to the churches, he who overcomes, well, and he gives rewards. Later, he says, this is how you overcome. He simplifies it. In, in Revelations 12, 11, it says, they overcame him, speaking of the devil, and all that the devil's doing. And I'm telling you, this is a perfect day. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, one, by the word of their testimony, two, and number three, by not loving their lives to the death. See, Jesus, this book has such practical implications for whatever season, whatever era that we've lived in that since the church. There's things that we can do. It was written to churches, okay? It says it. It says it right there um, in verse somewhat, somewhere. We'll get to it in a second. But he, he says, this is a letter to the churches. There were seven churches that represented the churches at that time. They were real churches. They were real churches in real cities and real places, and they were under severe persecution. You, we think of, of Paul and Peter, you know, Nero being one of the terrible uh, Roman emperors that really hated Christianity. Well, there was another emperor. I forget his name. It started with D. It was, this thing, it was not a matter of hating Christianity. He was trying to obliterate Christianity off the face of the earth. I mean, because this emperor was the first emperor that instituted real worship. He took on the attributes of God himself, began to declare that he was God. And anything that was in competition to him, he was going to wipe out. And, of course, he started this fight with, uh, with the Lord. Obviously, he lost, right? And that's the conditions that this book was written. These churches were, you know, they were under heavy, heavy fire. Uh, as one, one uh, preacher said, Revelation is hard to understand, but it's impossible to forget. I think most of us... A lot of us in, in our lives, we've kind of like, when it comes to Revelation, kind of did this, right? Like, uh, I'm not really sure about all this stuff in here. I've got my little thing on it. I, there's certain parts of it I can dive deep into and get a lot from the Lord on it. And then there's certain parts of it that I'm like, I don't think I want to jump in there, you know? So, um, you know, why am I talking about Revelation? You should ask that question, right? Somebody asked me that question. Why are you doing this, Byron? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Well, here's, here's really why I am. Um, you know, when we first experienced uh, the whole COVID thing, um, you know, the, the lockdowns, the, and then all the strife that came into our country, it seemed, you know, the rioting and all the political unrest and, and the division that we begin to see happening around us suddenly emerging, it seemed like from the shadows, uh, I began to really begin to question, you know, Lord, or, you know, what? we need some answers here because we are finding ourselves in a place that we've never been before. And we're still in that place. We're, we really are literally in uncharted waters that the church, that the people in, in, the, in the nations, we have never been to this place before, ever, okay? And so looking for answers from the Holy Spirit, looking for, for biblical answers is, is what I wanted because I, I discovered something. There was no answers out there that were being given, number one, from, from our government, and, and, I, and, and the media, I really began to, to, to realize that we were being lied to constantly. I mean, and we still are being lied to, y'all. Let's just get real here. We're being told lies on a regular basis from both sides of the political spectrum. And so I realized that we're getting a lot of stuff fed to us that's not true. And, you know, I want the truth not necessarily the truth about what's going on, but the truth about what God's answers are for us. And, and so the thought came to me about, um, 
the seven churches that were under severe persecution in this little light bulb. Like, well, there's, there's got to be answers in this book that tell us how to live and how to prosper in this time. Because we, things are shifting for us. I don't believe things will ever go back to the same. I really don't. But there's the potential of, the potential that they can be better for us. Now, I'm, I, that's where I'm at. We have the potential for life to be much better and for the body of Christ to be much better than it was pre, let's call it pre-COVID. So are y'all with me so far? So this, this really sort, sort of get me going down this road. So in my mind, I envision uh, the seven churches and the God would speak to me through the seven churches until I read Revelation verse, chapter 1, verse 1. And that phrase hit me like a ton of bricks, the revelation of Jesus, that this book is all about this person and that there's this, there's this Jesus of revelation that, that I don't really believe I, I really knew. I, I, like I said last week, I knew the Jesus of the Gospels. I, we've all got to know that Jesus so much and he's a beautiful Jesus, but there's more to Jesus There's a lot more to Jesus. And in this book, he begins to really reveal his glory like no other place. And that's where God wants to bring us. He wants us to see the glory of Jesus more than anything else. That's our ultimate answer is that person. That person is our answer. It's not all these these other things. These other things are good things. I'm not discounting those things. But if we don't see this person, if we don't begin to know him as he reveals himself now, then we are gonna we're gonna always fail. We're always gonna be missing something. Are y'all following this? Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, this is what one famous preacher said. I thought it was really profound. There may never be a time in history when end times prophecy. Now, let me just say this. Revelation is a prophetic book, period. It's prophetic. It's all prophetic. In fact, I remember as a young believer, you know, we were, started being involved in the prophetic move of God. And there was this confusion when you would tell people, like, well, we're involved in the prophetic. And they start talking to us about end times. And we were thinking, well, what does that have to do with anything? We're not into that kind of prophetic. Now, we're more into the prophetic, you know, of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 kind of prophetic, speaking the word of the Lord, encouragement, comfort, exhortation, dreams, visions, all that good stuff, right? That's, that was the prophetic. But there's a whole version of end-time prophetic stuff that, you know, we weren't really into, and I'm really not into it now, honestly. Uh, there are people who are. Anyway, let me go back to this. Am I being all over the road? It says, There never may be a time in history when end times prophecy is more aligned with the culture and circumstances of the world than it is today. Wow. I mean, I thought, man, that's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, One thing that people who study biblical prophecy, uh, here's one of the things they say, future events cast their shadow before they occur. Future events cast their shadow before they occur, okay? In other words, here's a, here's a good example. They don't, in other words, they don't just pop up one day out of the blue. In other words, there's a shadow that comes before they actually, come, they actually come. Here's a great example. You know, it talks about plague in Revelation, worldwide plagues. That word, one of the definitions of that word plagues is virus. There were... The Bible has prophesied about pandemics. It even talks about this being that has the power to inflict these plagues at will. Whenever he wants to, it talks about it. You can read that right there in Revelation. I mean, when you read that, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, at will, we're going to have a new COVID. At will, in other words, that to me was like, are, have we, is that the shadow of future things? Have we, is that shadow upon us now? I don't know if it is or not, okay? But I am telling you that there's a day when that shadow will hit us or we will enter into that, okay? Now, there's a lot of ways to interpret this book, okay? Some people actually believe everything's happened in it, but that's not true. Just that's what I'm saying. I don't believe that on any day, you know, because he talked about things to come, Um 
Well, Lord help, right? So the question is, is Revelation casting its shadow on us? That was, that's, a, that's a good question. It's a good question for us. And even if it's not, it's something we really need to consider because there will be a generation it will more than cast its shadow on. Okay? So I believe the first few chapters of the, of the book of Revelations are vital. Like I said last week, I don't think we can properly interpret the book of Revelation without really seeing the Jesus of Revelation about him revealing himself in his glory. And as we begin to see him and know him, then we can begin to understand more of what is put in just some of this mystery and this language that they use, which is incredibly crazy. Well, y'all seem very excited, okay? Very excited. So the first thing we need to, I wanted to say this morning uh, is in verse 1, it said he's, uh, he's talking about Jesus. He sent and signified it. Sign, everybody say signified. By his angel to his servant John. In other words, that's really important for us. It's a book of imagery, Okay, and the first chapter has a lot of imagery of Jesus, right? I mean, and it's amazing. I love the imagery of Jesus. You know, a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, fire in his eyes. You know, his, you know, had this white hair and this golden thing and his feet were like bronze. That's a lot of amazing imagery of Jesus. But the whole, the whole book is full of images. The whole book is full of, 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 of types, pictures, and, and why is that? One is a prophetic book. And if you are, have you been involved in the prophetic ministry much, you will realize much of how the Holy Spirit speaks is through images. He gives you pictures, right? And so that's a really key for us to understand. That's one of the reasons. Another reason it is so full of images, when it was written, like I said, they were, the church was in such, under such pressure that they... They purposely wrote this letter that the people who received it, they were the only ones who could translate it. Okay? They could translate it because most of what is in the book of Revelations is in the Bible already. It's, you just have to search it out. And these people had the Old Testament. They knew what was in I think there's like 300 references in the Old Testament in the book of Revelation and, and of these different pictures like, uh, you know, you know, Jesus and, and our, our God the Father shows up and, and Daniel with his long beard, white beard, like he does, like Jesus does in Revelation. So they didn't want people reading this book, okay, and, and being able to do, you know, go after them because, hey, this is bad. This is what they're going to do. So it was really kind of given to encode in a sense, that was one of the reasons. Plus, another reason, it's, it's like a timeless book. These, these images are timeless. They work all, uh, across all generations of the church. And that's how God wanted He wanted every generation of the church to be able to gain something from what was written. Are y'all following this? I'm just sort of giving you some, some thoughts on this book that will help you understand why is this book so crazy? Why, what in the world you know, I mean, I, for years, that's how I felt about it until I began to understand why it was written the way it was written and what God was really trying to accomplish through it. It is good. I got a great, I need some more fans beside my wife, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that's cool about this book, okay, as far as the imagery. If you keep reading, it actually lots of times tells you what the image means. Like, just as a classic, there were seven lampstands. A few verses later, guess what it says? The lampstands where the church is. If we just keep going, it, will, it explains itself. And many, many of it explains itself. Some of it, it doesn't, but a lot of it does. It's just a matter of staying engaged with it. And if you can, you can go to the Old Testament and pick out some things that will help you understand it. And so I think that's one of the great things about this book, a book of imagery, I'm going to give you a little an outline, and um, this is really just a sort of overview of the whole book. Man, i got to hurry up. I'm just not getting nowhere. Revelation 1, this is my outline here, is the revelation of who Jesus is. It gives you 18, in verse 1, 18 unique descriptions of Jesus Christ in, verse, in chapter 1. 
That's what chapter 1 is all about. It's about the person of Christ, about who he is, what he is, his true glory. Wow. And I'll tell you, there's going to be a time on the earth when that person is going to show up. And, and I've always felt like this. That's the church's ace in the hole. You know, we can be down to nothing and, and be beat, but when he shows up and reveals his glory, all of a sudden we are going to come to the top. Then nothing can stop us once we see his glory like that. Revelations 2 and 3 is a revelation of what Jesus wants in the church with his seven letters. He's really literally, he tells us, this is what I want. This is what I don't like. This is what I need for you to do. He literally lays it all out for us. And that's why I said at this time in history in the church, we should jump into those letters and find out what he's saying and line ourselves up with what he's saying. Okay? That's really what, and that would be the greatest advice we could get since we're not getting good advice, you know, I mentioned that I was fussing, I was saying bad stuff about the media and government, but you know, the truth is the church hasn't really given us a whole lot of good stuff. Lord have mercy. Have you listened to some of the things that they say out there? It's just crazy. Some of the prophecy, people listen like, stop listening to that. Nothing they've said is true. And, but people just, mm, never mind, I'm not going to get off on that. You know, Revelation 4 and 5 is a revelation of what Jesus' heavenly commission, his power and his resources to do what he says he's going to do. It's amazing, Revelations 4 and 5. It's amazing. And then that's probably my great, I sort of end that, Revelation sort of ends there for me until the very end. But Revelation 6 through 19 is a revelation of what he's going to do in the nations to prepare the world for him to come and take over. That's what those things are all about. I'm coming. This is what's going to happen before I come. Some bad stuff's going to happen, but it's, I've, got my, I've got my hand on it. In fact, it says the Lamb of God is the one who releases this stuff. He's the one who opens the door for this stuff. Sometimes we are praying for things and asking God to do stuff when he's the one letting it happen. He said it right. Dr. Samuel, we need that, that, that anointing of Issachar to understand the times, understand what the Lord's doing and line ourselves up with him. If he's releasing something, if he's allowing something, we need wisdom to know how to navigate instead of flailing at it. I'm not saying anything here. I'm just saying that's true. And of course, Revelations 20 through 22, we all jump back in on that. That's that's about our internal, that's the garden city. That's the city of God, God's dream coming to earth. What God intended right from the very beginning, right in Genesis, what he started in the last two chapters. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Amen. It's all true. That's right. Someone that we know, dad passed away, a dear pastor of ours, and their daughter had a dream. Can I say your name? Luann Wallace. Luann, stand up. No, come up here, Luann. I want you to tell this yourself. This is more special. Yeah, come on. Give Luann a big hand. She looks a little reluctant. But she about, now you got to come up here with me. You can't stand down there and hide. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, <clears throat> as you know, my dad passed away in January. He was 92. And um, so... What is so significant is that on Father's Day, I woke up after having a dream. This was like right before we could, you know, get ready for the day to come here. And so uh, in the dream, I, my dad came walking up to me. And of course, as these heavenly dreams are, he looked fantastic. And um, it was so good to see that familiar face. And um, so he just walked up to me and looked at me so intently in my eyes and said, it's all true. Mm-hmm. It's all true. It's all true. And so then he um, continued his walk up this heavenly staircase. Yeah. And so that's a short dream, but it means everything. Yeah. That gave me chill bumps. I've heard it. It's all true. Well, speaking of it's all true, listen to this. I'm going to read verse 1, chapter 1, 7 through 8. 
Behold, he is coming with clouds. This is right at the beginning of this. He's coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. Oh, Lord, I mean, come on. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. They're going to mourn. They're going to mourn. There's going to be a mourning when he comes back, and that's not us mourning. That's the world mourning because they're going to realize at that moment even the ones who killed him Literally, they're going to realize the great mistake, the greatest error that ever happened. And all the trouble, and, I, and then he says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. He literally says that three times in chapter 1. He wanted everybody to know, listen, I, back in the garden, I started this business, right? That's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, right? In other words, he was right there in the beginning. That's what Genesis is all about. He was there. He started this business. And at the end, he says, I'm going to be here. I'm going to complete this business. He is going to complete what he said he was going to do. What the Bible declares about the kingdom of God, about God's intent on the earth is going to happen. And we really need to get a more of a heavenly mindset that what God has declared, what God wants is going to happen. Our job is to understand how to flow with God. Like Becky said, we're, we're partnering with him. Partnering. I love that. Even uh, Everybody's going to mourn. Even so. Amen. So be it. Amen. They're going to mourn. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Listen, the Almighty. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you this. I sound like a preacher, right, friends? <laughs> I don't mean to do that. I'm not trying to do anything. But anyways, friends, and maybe I got a couple enemies in here. I made a few people mad recently, you know. I think I made a couple of people mad last week when I was playing around about the hell thing and the key thing, but I'm sorry. I thought it was great, but, you know, a couple of people didn't think it was great, but I'm, you know, I'm not sorry I said it. I just... I can be a smart aleck. I get it. <laughs> and probably shouldn't say some things like a smart aleck. Should be more nice. <laughs> yeah. This, thank you. Jesus, when, when God appeared to Abraham, I think Abraham, uh, Genesis 12 or 15, one of those where he said, uh, he said, he introduced himself to Abraham and began to tell Abraham about his future. And he said, I'm almighty God. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, the way God reveals himself is the way he wants us to know him. That, that really is the truth. You know, we can try to know God in different ways, but we need to know him as he wants us to know him. Okay, and here Jesus is saying, I'm almighty. I'm the almighty. And I think if there's ever a time the church needs to get to know the almighty we need to really start cultivating a relationship with the Almighty. You know, because once we begin to cultivate that relationship with the Almighty, then we can have a whole lot more might than we currently have. I think one of our, our, our problems with the lack of power that we've had is we've not known Him as the Almighty. But I believe He's going to reveal Himself as the Almighty. He's going to show us that He's the Almighty. And as He does, that's going to create a confidence in us. It's going to cause our faith to really get strong. And we can begin to declare the Word of the Lord with power. And that's what's, we should be saying amen on that. Yeah. And so He's going to come back. And He's going to take over. That's what He's saying. Okay, uh, I need to hurry up, right? Or just hurry up or shut up. <laughs> I wanted to get this. This is really important here. In verse 9, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Okay, that's the only Lord's Day in the New Testament, just for your, you know, enlightenment. So he was in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I heard behind me a loud voice as, as of a trumpet. That's what the voice sounded like. It sounded like a trumpet to him. Okay, he didn't say the voice was a trumpet. It sounded like a trumpet. That's really important now. And, this is, and he's saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, right? I'm, I'm emphasizing John. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and left. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. That's what I said earlier. This, this book is written to us. It's written to the churches throughout the ages. It's, it's our book as people. It's, it belongs to us. It belongs to the body of Christ. 
is written in symbolic language because it's meant for us as believers to interpret it, to translate it, to understand it. It's not meant for the world to, have, to understand it and translate it. That's what I really believe. You know, there's this thing, I'm going to say this, I, I'm just, Lord help me. There's this conversation, and I think it's an amazing conversation. Is the Bible written to us or for us? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I think it's both myself. And of course, Becky will always tell you, I'm, I can see two sides of everything. But I do think it's written for us. I think a lot of the Old Testament is not necessarily written to us. I think it's written for us. I personally think some of the New Testament is written to us. Personally. You know, uh, all the uh, books like to, to Timothy and Titus, if you read those books and read some of the words that Paul said in it, he said a little different to the individuals versus when he was speaking to churches. He added some things in there that, to me, gives me the thought, anyways, I don't know, I just think that's an interesting conversation. Do y'all? Yeah, come on now. So he heard that, I'm, what you see right, sent it to these seven churches, which are in Asia, which was Turkey. At the time, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So <clears throat> I think this is important now. So here's, here's what I want you to see here. Jesus introduced him. This is, this is the introduction, okay, to John. This is how he introduced himself. He heard a voice, a loud voice behind him, like a trumpet. Now, that's important because, I, and this is the one thing I wanted to read out of the Old Testament, Joel 2.1. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. And so you see, there was times, if you go back through the Old Testament, that's just one verse about a trumpet. If you go back through the Old Testament, the trumpet was sounded when God had something he wanted to say, whether it was a warning like this, or it was a call to war, they used a trumpet. Or another one, which I think is cool as dirt, is a call to celebration. Or a call just to be in his presence. Hey, did y'all know the feast? This is something I've studied the feast of Israel. I know I'm going all over the road here. I'll try to get more focused. The feast of Israel, we turn, normally think about them. All oh, those were just really super spiritual and all just. But there was actually in all those feasts, there was, uh, there was stuff. There was fun stuff. There was food. There was dancing. There was stuff for kids. God made it fun. God made it fun, y'all. He, he wasn't just, oh, y'all need to come together and be all serious here. Let's come together and get blasted by the Holy Spirit and let's have some fun. Let's eat and drink. Let the kids have some fun. Let's play some games. That literally, if you go back and study the history, that literally happened. We, we need to understand that's part of the heart of God. But anyways, back to the trumpet. You know, we, that, to me, when, when the Bible says that, this is something serious. This was something that Jesus, it wasn't the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, right? This was not one of those moments when it was the still. It was no, hey, y'all, you, you need to pay attention. This is big. This is serious. I've got something to say, and you need to pay attention. That's what he was saying here in this book. This is a big deal. From God's perspective, he's saying this is a big deal. Yeah, come on, y'all. And so I think this is a time where God, and we've been doing this for years about learning how to hear his voice right. We, we have really went after that. I mean, that's like one of our big things is knowing the voice of the Lord and hearing his voice and, and letting his voice lead us. Okay? That's really important. But there's a part of God's voice that we haven't heard yet. We haven't heard that, a voice like this. And so we need to be willing to get our ears tuned more and more when he comes and speaks in a way that we haven't heard before that we automatically don't push it away. That we listen and we be, learn how to discern that voice because we've, it's like I can walk into a room and everybody in this room can be saying my name and, Becky, and I can hear Becky saying my name because I know her voice. Okay, and that's how God wants us to be with his voice. And I think it's a time, if you're not a person who really dials into his voice, God has given us a time. Dial into his voice. 
Say, Lord, help me to learn your voice. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to be able to discern your voice. And I believe he'll answer that prayer. Let me read this one in verse 15. I'm going to be stopping here in six minutes because of the kids, y'all. I'm not going to... It says, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. Okay, that's another story. And his voice, everybody say voice, as the sound of many waters. His voice as a sound of many waters. Many waters in the Bible many times speaks of, not many spirits, but it speaks of people. It speaks of, of humanity. It talk, the Bible talks a lot of times the sea, and it's talking about people. It's not talking about literal water. And that's what he's talking about. There's this many voice of God that wants to come on earth. And how is there going to be a many voice, of many voices of God that's speaking the same thing? Yeah. She said it. It's the body of Christ. It's a body of Christ that's not divided over politics, not divided over theology, not divided all over, over this crazy stuff. See, God is looking for a people, I believe in this hour more than ever hour, a people who will come to an agreement with him and what he's saying. Some of you need to be careful because you, here's what I hear from people. I hear the voice of the world and there's an agreement with the world. I've even heard a lot of believers out there, okay, this is my pet peeve here, about this socialism thing. I hear believers agreeing with socialist principles. And what I want to tell them is go read Karl Marx. Go read what he said. You know one of the things that Karl Marx said? He's the inventor of socialism, by the way. He said this. He wants to rid the earth of Christianity and rid heaven of God. He, was, he hated God. That's why he started this thing we call socialism. Yeah, it's an antichrist spirit. And it is one of the most destructive things there is. I have literally studied, not that I've studied a bunch, but I've studied enough to see hundreds of millions of people, literally, since Karl Marx got power in Russia, Africa, South America, China have been killed. Hundred, I mean, I don't know exactly, but it may be a half a billion people have literally died at the hand of a socialistic agenda. And when you think about the end times, you think about an antichrist being, a, a one world government, what kind of government do you think that would be? Well, it would be the one that we see today. It would be a socialist government. Are y'all hearing this? There's a shadow of a revelation that has passed over America, I think. I think we're seeing the possibilities of this stuff. And I'm going to tell you, Christians, it is not a time to compromise the truth. Okay? Listen to me. Listen. This is what the Lord told me back when COVID first started and all this thing started. He says there are going to be people who are going to lose their voice over this. And there are going to be people I'm going to give a voice. And here's how we're going to lose it. When we're willing to compromise the truth to make people happy, to have agreement with people, you can't do it. You can, you can have agreement with people by loving them. You don't have to agree with what they're saying. And I, my, my thing is the worst thing that's happening in our country today is the socialism thing besides the abortion because I I think the abortion has opened the door for hell on us. That's what I really believe. I think if we could shut that door, we could see some things changed. And I totally felt like what he was saying was the heart of the Lord on how to really get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. So I think God wants to give y'all a voice. I think he wants you to have a voice. He's looking for the many waters. He's asking you, will you agree with what I agree with? Will you do that? It may cost you. It may hurt you. But it's not going to cost you long term. And I think that thing that they were talking about, what the schools that people need to understand what the schools are doing. The schools are, they're not educating our children anymore. They are, well, they... Indoctrinate them. And then you send them off to a university, they don't have a chance. And these young people are beginning to believe socialistic things, y'all. This is all a shadow of what's happening, and this will steal our voice. This will steal our authority. 
We can't compromise it. We don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to be dumb about it. We don't have to be stupid about it. We can be graceful about it, but we can't make compromises when it comes to the truth. We've got to walk in truth if we want to be free, you know? And this is not just an American, United States of America thing, by the way. This is worldwide. That's why it concerns me. I mean, I'm concerned about our country, obviously, but when you look at what's going on in the world, it's like, oh my gosh, this is everywhere. There's a darkness that has come up in our world. It's, it's evil, y'all. Well, this is one thing I'm going to finish with. It's about time. Have I, have I ruffled any threat for feathers? Maybe. You know, the early church uh, tried socialism. Did y'all know that? They might not called it that, but they tried it. It didn't work. Guess what? A few years later, people were having to take up an offering because they were starving to death. They sold all their goods. People think that's something spiritual and good. It was not. It was not a good thing what they did. That was a socialistic kind of thing. And I've had people who were socialists arguing with us in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Look how it turned out. The rest of the churches was having to bail them out because they lost everything because, you know, obviously they weren't calling it socialism, but that's what it really was, you know. Did y'all ever think about that? Yeah. So, anyways, I'm going to finish here. I feel like I'm getting on this. Getting on the outs here. God really does want to give y'all a voice. All of us. He wants us to have a voice in the world. You know, and a voice that agrees with his voice. A voice of many waters. You know, so I think we're in a time to really begin to hear him and and discern his voice and know his voice like we've never known it. I think that's one of the things that, that really struck out to me. But the last thing I wanted to say... In closing, right, that's what preachers say. In closing is this thing called remnant church. Have you ever heard the term about a remnant church? You know, all my Christian life, this is what I heard from the day. In fact, I heard it before I was a Christian because I was around a lot of crazy people growing up. I mean, that, that talked about the Bible. They talked about all this stuff all the time. And that's why I hated it so much because they kept talking about these terrible things that were going to happen and, you know, and God doing this and God doing it. I think, I don't want anything to do with any of this. I don't want nothing to do with a God who would do such a thing. That's how I felt. But I did hear about this remnant church, and I'm, and I'm a big believer in the remnant. This is the, this is the, the, the understanding about a remnant church. In a time of great distress, God is going to raise up a remnant people. It's all through the Bible. You go all the way through the Bible. There's always going to be a remnant left that loves God and that's not willing to compromise. I believe that's where the church is headed. As a remnant. There's going to be a remnant. There's going to be, a, there's going to be two churches in the earth in America, for sure, and maybe other, at least two churches. One will be a cultural church. One will be a social church. One will be an apostate church, y'all, because they have compromised and forsaken this person. And, but there will be a remnant people who really absolutely refuse, refuse, refuse to forsake him. And are willing to do what he said. This is how you can do this. By the blood. By the word of your testimony. And by not loving your life to the death. We haven't got that third part down yet, have we? No, we haven't, y'all. Here's the truth about America, okay? I feel like a lot of the people who are, who are so upset, it's because they feel like they're losing. Their, it's a comfort thing. It's, we're going to lose America. We're going to lose what we have. We're going to lose our prosperity. One day we will. One day we will. One day there'll be a generation who will lose it all, but they will be the people who didn't love their life to the death. Okay? It's not about America, y'all. It's about the God's kingdom coming. I don't personally feel like God's through with the United States. I really don't. I mean, because I see a lot of good things in our country. How God, the missions and all these great things that God wants to do. You know, I think God has a lot left for us to do on this earth. And, you know, I do think some of our best days are in front of us. So I really do. But it, we might, might need to re, redefine what best is. Best may be the glory of God in the very distressful times. That may be our best. Everything else may be falling apart around us, but we're so full of God's glory and joy and peace and love that we can 
walk through these things, you know? And that's sort of some thoughts from Revelations chapter 1. Okay? Yeah. And I don't know nothing, y'all. But I do know this. I know the Holy Spirit loves us. I know that. I know that was really prophetic, what they were singing this morning, that God will do anything to get to us. And I feel like he's reaching out to our nation right now. Amen? So won't we stand up and we're going to pray. And Becky, you come out here and pray. You're the... She's a sparky girl. Well, you get around Dr. Samuel, anybody spark up when it comes to that intercession that comes out of him. I love praying with him. He uh, wakes that intercession up in me. Um, it's awesome. Woo, it's good. That was a really good message. Let's just give Byron a hand. Woo. It's just good, you know, that's really a shepherding message. You know, it really is a pastor's message to a to the church. So let's receive it that way and yeah. Mm. Wow. And I just again just want to say this that there's no shadow that he's not gonna light up. And no mountain he's not gonna climb up coming after us. And Lord, we just pray today that we can yield and be those people, Lord, that don't love our life unto death, Lord. Lord, that we won't let the things of this world have our attention. That, Lord, our attention would be on you, Lord. And Lord, we know that all comes by you working that in us. But that's not something we just decide. But Lord, we do as best as we can today. Lord, we just say, Lord, awaken the church. Awaken us, your people. Lord, just awaken us, Lord, that we would hear your voice. That we would be numbered with those. Lord, that your voice, Lord, the many waters of your voice, Lord God. In my darkest Yes, Lord. Let your power just fall on us now. Let it just fall on us, Lord. Strengthen us. Lord, we ask you to strengthen us, Lord. Just strengthen us, Lord. We need strength. Strengthen us, Lord. Give us courage. Give us courage, Lord. Give us courage. And what we are, what's ahead, Lord. But Lord, with you, mm, can do it. I will sing of the goodness of God. of your goodness, Lord. It reaches so far. So deep, Lord. Just sing it out. Just sing it. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running
just have the ministry team to come up. We want to pray for the sick. And we want to release his goodness on the sick this morning. And I just really do again just feel like the Lord really wants to touch some people this morning that think they've gone too far and God's not good enough to get them back because he is good for failure. I just really feel that. I was feeling also for fear and worry. The Lord really wants to release and free you from fear and worry today. That today is the day he wants to do it. So just come up and get prayer. We're believing he's going to heal you. I believe also that the Lord wants to, uh, there's an anointing for you to hear his voice. Today is the day to get that released, that my sheep hear my voice. It is the time to hear him. Thank you, Lord. So come on up. God's going to use these people up here this morning to do all of that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Woo. You can just stay in your seat if you want and keep receiving. Or you can go get your children. Go get your children. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we love the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you, Lord. 